0: Trade Scope Podcast for Trade Promotion and Revenue Growth Management. Hello, everybody. This is Rob Hand, hoping you're having a great day going. This is the Trade Scope Podcast on just about everything covering Trade Channel Promotion and Revenue Growth Management. Really glad to have you along today. I'm also really glad for the wonderful comments, and I appreciate everything that you're saying. If you have an idea of what you want to hear in a future podcast episode, go to handpromotion.com that's all in word, handpromotion.com. Click on the contact us link and you will see in there a comment section. Feel free to give me a title or give me a comment or something else that you'd like to put in. Always glad to hear from you. You know, recently on a short hop flight, the guy sitting next to me asked me what I did. I always ponder that question a bit because what I do is sometimes tough to explain. And then I might respond in a default answer like "Eh, work in marketing. That just depends on how tired I am and How long the flight is, right? (laughs) Ever happened to you? Lately, I have been saying that I am a revenue growth management consultant, but even that gets an eyebrow lift or a wide-eyed, what is that exactly, retort. Or I might say trade promotion, which either gets a response like, oh, you mean international trade or like tariffs or USMCA or NAFTA or something related to -to country-to-country imports and exports. And with a flight of less than 45 minutes, that could be a challenge, especially for me. Other than revenue growth management or trade promotion, what if I said, well, co-op advertising or channel promotion or market development incentives or shopper promotion? So typically I say consumer products promotion consultant. That seems to cover it long enough to at least make it sound somewhat complex and unique and short enough to let it go. But if I wanted to be more exact, I might say I am a trade channel promotion management consultant working with wholesale, distribution, and retail resellers and manufacturers to help them promote and sell their products in the local marketplace. I would risk a longer conversation there. Or perhaps he would just turn back to his book. (laughs) Either way, in the general public, the word incentives typically applies to the consumer rebate or some other kind of offer that gets you to buy it, right? The business of channel incentives spans every product sold in a channel environment, doesn't matter which, retail, wholesale, reseller, or even an independent software vendor or what's called an ISV. There are typically three levels of incentives. You have commissions for the manufacturer sales reps to sell the products into the channel for resale. There are channel incentives to promote and move the products from the receiving warehouses or store loading docks called trade promotion, co-op advertising, and so on. And then you have consumer incentives, such as rebates, discounts, special considerations, and so on. It's the middle incentive, channel incentives, that we deal with and call trade promotion. Almost everyone from the media to the business analyst to the trade associations, to the software industry relates trade promotion to fast-moving consumer goods or simply consumer packaged goods. Those of you who work for CPG companies might be surprised to learn that these types of promotional incentives are equally critical focus areas in other companies that sell products to consumers or, as in the case of high-tech industrial products, the end-user The truth is that other consumer product sectors like fashion, DIY hardware, sporting goods, lawn and garden products, housewares or home furnishings, for example, have all their versions of trade channel promotion. They typically don't call it that, though, and the amount of money involved as a percentage of gross revenues generally falls far short of the average 27% of gross revenues trade spend of CPG. For instance, fashion co-op advertising and promotion spend is about half of that for CPG. Automotive new cars are between 3 and 6% of gross revenue, high technology between 2 and 4%, and appliances running somewhere between 5 and 12%. On average, of course. So not all that high, but still a big number, especially for super high-ticket items like automobiles, computers, and farm implements. Today I thought I would relate to you some of the nuances and distinctions those types of channel promotion programs have. First, let's talk about the nature of the programs themselves. Hailing from the same ancestry as trade promotion, these programs are based on a set of terms and conditions that the reseller channel customers have to meet in order to get the money. As opposed to the CPG trade promotion offers where there is a formalized plan of specific tactics timing, products, and costs to which the manufacturer, supplier, and retailer are eventually committed, these programs have a set of rules, if you will, that have to be adhered to before any payment is made. A major difference from CPG trade promotion exists for these programs. Resellers must physically request payment by submitting fully documented proof of performance claims directly to the manufacturer for auditing of compliance and eventual settlement so then we're talking about reimbursement of actual costs of promotion activities something that we have not done in cpg for over 50 years don't laugh you cpg folks that's the way it used to be in your company as well 50 years ago and speaking of payment these programs are typically settled via some sort of direct payment like a check or eft or even a blockchain transaction but let's get to the settlement point later The program rules will generally consist of a fixed set of terms and conditions including eligibility, tactics, or activities allowed, fund accrual requirements, and settlement. Now, before we get too far down the line, let's take a moment to understand what I have found to be a rather little-known topic of regulatory and legal statutes that govern all of this type of activity, including trade promotion, by the way. And for today's purposes, let's cover the United States although most countries have their own similar regulatory requirements for the provision and consideration of manufacturer-offered channel and trade financial incentives. It's all about protection of the small business from the larger ones, specifically discriminatory or predatory practices. Now, the specific law and guidance is in the form of the 1936 Robinson-Patman Act, and more specifically, to promotion, a subsection of that act created something called the Guides for Merchandising Allowances and Other Merchandising Payments and Services. Now, This set of regulations contains the specific areas of definition of unfair acts and discriminatory practices that are expressly forbidden. These guides have been updated four times since 1960 alone and most recently in 2014. Look, at some later date, we will get into a more detailed view of this key piece of standing legislation, but not in this podcast. For now, let's just simply say that this is the specific set of rules and regulations the United States government has been operating from in multiple cases involving promotion pricing and practice discrimination. What you need to know is that every company that sells products through the channels of distribution in the USA will fall under these regulations. Period. Because of that, promotion incentive programs have, for the most part, stayed true to the intentions of that law and have written and executed their terms and conditions tightly to control and prevent any discriminatory practices. So as opposed to consumer packaged goods, more specifically fast-moving consumer goods, These other manufacturers have formalized written promotion programs spelling out not only the terms and conditions for reimbursement or payment, but also containing language that supports prohibition of certain fundamental violations of the Robinson-Patman Act and the guides. Some examples include coverage of price treatment to ensure against violation of discriminatory or predatory pricing, equality of eligibility language, and strong penalties for violation of the terms. In other words, you don't get your money if you don't follow the rules. The channel, then, has the responsibility to know the rules and follow them. However, what I just told you about the regulatory environment and the legislation controlling it results in every one of these programs spelling out specific rules of their own eligibility. Program eligibility, funding eligibility, and settlement eligibility. This language will be carefully written to distinguish between types of reseller customers and, therefore, the variation of treatment of terms and conditions. Now, this is all to ensure against discriminatory practices and eligibility of price policies. And next, let's talk about the money. These programs will have, in some cases, complex fund accrual requirements. So that's one difference from CPG, where it's rather simple, an amount of money that's allocated and budgeted and then committed to a particular customer. One of the key points of the Robinson-Patman guides is that every channel reseller which, by the way, is the term used in the regulatory uh, language that refer to the entity that resells the manufacturer's product, either to another reseller entity like a wholesaler to a direct or directly to an end seller like a retail storefront or now an e-commerce company, right? Typically, the funding is accrued based on some percentage of net cost of product purchased from the manufacturer. Simple, right? Yeah, not so much. Accrual rates will normally vary depending upon the product group or category and, of course, whether or not it is manufactured by the offering company or acquired from a third-party OEM or other source. So you can imagine that there needs to be, generally within the ERP systems, the capability to load the accrual rates by SKU or item number in order to produce the proper transaction amounts that generate the accrual. This is also what most trade promotion management systems are capable of doing very well today. What complicates matters is the existence of contracts with large chain stores where either everyday low pricing agreements are involved or where special price is negotiated separately. This is the danger zone. And to ensure against violations of Robinson patent guides, there are always language that shows how these deviations are derived and how they are non-discriminatory. See the potential for legal concern here? Let's not get deep into that yet, but just to make sure you can see the potential, shall we say, alternative pricing agreements would have to be treated very carefully to ensure regulatory compliance. Next, let's talk timing. Generally, these promotion incentive programs will spell out timing in three ways. First, there is timing for the program itself, and that is usually on an annual basis coinciding with the fiscal year of the offering manufacturer. Second, there is the time frame within which the resellers are allowed to promote. That, too, runs parallel with the program timing. Some, however, can deviate based on conditions such as specific type of product or seasonality. The third type of timing is for the submission of claims requesting payment. Generally, this is parallel with the other two timing formats, plus 90 days or so after the close of the year to get your documentation gathered and claimed. Kind of sound familiar? The bulk of the language for most of these programs applies to the types of promotional activities that are approved or eligible for reimbursement and the contact requirements for each type. Remember, these programs tightly control the nature of promotional content. So in addition to specifying and limiting actual promotion activities of media, there is a legal obligation to ensure compliance with pricing, of course, but also to ensure that each product, brand, and category is promoted with the specified descriptions, definitions, names, and illustrations of the products, as well as making sure that no claims or warranties are made for product performance that would create a false or misleading statement of the product, use, taste, etc. Right? In fact, there's a large sub-industry segment that manages these programs for the manufacturer, including creating advertising layouts, broadcast scripts, and production, and other materials that the reseller can and probably should use to ensure continuity and proper product description. And of course, price is not one of them. That's taboo and akin to price fixing. The reseller has control of what price is offered to the consumer or end user. There are some exceptions, but we will get into that in another podcast. Finally, the reseller has to get paid. In CPG, of course, that's generally through the process of deduction directly off of the product invoice, but that is a no-no for most other industry segments. Deductions do occur. They are fought harder than with CPG and considered a violation of the program contract. Typically, once the claim has been audited and verified for compliance, the accounts payable organization will cut a check or issue an EFT transaction or a direct deposit or in some small and growing cases, execute a blockchain transaction. TPM and blockchain, that's another podcast to be sure. So that is the major distinction in how these types of channel promotion programs differ from the typical CPG or fast-moving consumer goods trade promotion offer. Many of my clients over the years have come from the durables, fashions, automotive, and high-tech areas where these programs abound. Frankly, I like the control that the traditional co-op advertising or market development fund programs have with their terms and conditions. But like everything else these days, the digital transformation of media, business process, and consumer engagement are pressuring these types of manufacturers toward a more CPG-like trade promotion operating format. Still, there are huge co-op and MDF programs out there from high-tech giants like Intel, Apple, and Lenovo, all automotive new car and aftermarket products, fashion to be sure, and everything from telecom to insurance. What is really sad is that there's really no measurement of these types of promotion program spending, not like there is in CPG. The estimates for global CPG trade spending is $3 trillion. But if you consider the total payments and all the variations of co-op advertising, market development funds, and the myriad of other names for channel promotion incentive programs globally, that number is going to go sky high. With the increased focus on these types of financial activities, don't be surprised to see an increase in legal and regulatory action coming. And that's my two cents. So that's all for now. Thanks so much for joining me. Be sure to watch for the next Trade Scope podcast, available wherever you get your podcast, as well as handpromotion.com. So until next time, this is Rob Hand saying be safe, be well, and be strong.